0: want to ditch feature dumping build trust and earn the opportunity to become your prospects trusted guide then say hello to the influential communicator newsletter now listen my friend my intention is clear because with one actionable weekly email keyword actionable my goal is to transform you into a captivating storyteller communicator and presenter so if this is a bit of you then head on down to www.theinfluentialcommunicator.com to register now and by the way if you do sign up know that you'll also receive my free guide on how to craft a punchy and high converting elevator story i'll see you on the other side Welcome to the Influential Communicator Podcast, where my mission is to help B2B salespeople sell more by becoming authentic storytellers and impactful communicators without suppressing who they truly are or their values. I'm your host, Ravi Rajani, and without further wait, let's get into it. From Poland to Blackpool, my next guest has ran sales training programs for the likes of Google and Facebook. And since April 2022, she's been diffusing her expertise all over Samsara in her latest role in sales enablement. Now, even though she's a mother to a sassy three-year-old, what's actually keeping her up at night is seeing awful pitch decks that suck and don't connect with customers. And that's exactly why today she's graced me with her presence to discuss her five deadly sins of pitch decks in 2023. Malgoshata Holden, welcome to the show, my friend.
1: Thank you so much, Ravi. It's great to be here. And thank you so much for lovely introduction.
0: Well, i tell you what. We were talking backstage about the best ways to pronounce your name. So, did I get it on the money, or do I need some coaching here?
1: You did, you did. I think you you you've done it perfectly fine. So, Malgorzata, <laughs> yeah, it's a very difficult name, but in English, is actually Margaret. So,
0: oh, really? I didn't know that. Ah, okay, awesome. So, you grew up in Warsaw, am I right?
1: I grew up in Wrocław, which is southwest of uh, Poland. Yes, it's, um, I think, third or fourth largest city in Poland. So, yeah, that's, that's where the story begins.
0: Yeah, and speaking of your story, what's one part of your story that you can shine a light on now so we can get a better understanding of who you are today?
1: What is the one moment? I think the breakthrough moment for me was... When I got into the university and I've just realized that I actually hate the subject that I've picked, I've decided to do the year gap. And I went to London all by myself. I didn't have any friends, no one that I particularly knew apart from one aunt that helped me find the apartment. I did a year gap in London, and I think that really Transformed the rest of my life really because I've learned how to speak English and that allowed me later on the opportunity to work for companies such as Google, Facebook, or Samsara, you know. So I think that was like a really breakthrough moment for me.
0: And how is Samsara different to working for companies like Facebook and Google in terms of the types of issues you have identified for sales reps when it comes to quota attainment? Is there any patterns or is it different because of the differences in the culture and the values of each business?
1: Good question. I think, you know, if we look at Google, when I joined Google, Google was a very well-established organization with already years behind the belt, loads of processes, loads of different trainings, lots of different methodologies that were tested and were successful. So. Coming to Google, it was really more so following the process and paths that were already in place. When okay. it comes to Samsara and Facebook, they are actually very similar. When I joined Facebook, Facebook had a really startup-y vibe to it. Sales enablement team was non existing at the time, almost. It was just me and my boss running the entire EMEA team, so very very small team and we had to build everything from scratch which was exciting and now i'm kind of in a similar position at samsara so with that respect it, it's bringing me some backflash around you know my beginnings at facebook But in terms of the patents, I feel like, yes, it's also similar. You know, when, when we were selling out Facebook at the very beginning, not that no one knew Facebook, but the conversation was more so that we are not a social platform only. We are a serious marketing tool that you can leverage and you should really have us include in the portfolio of the different vendors that you work with, such as, you know, TV, radio, press, whatever that is. With Samsara, is kind of similar. We are still very fresh to the EMEA market, at least. So the conversation is really about how do we turn ourselves into serious business partner rather than just another company randomly calling, trying to sell telematics solution and AI solution.
0: Mm. So when it comes to shifting the narrative, if somebody met one of your sales reps At a networking event and they said oh samsara what do you guys actually do what is the current elevator story and pitch to describe the value proposition
1: i think the value proposition will be for a consolidated cloud operation platform that really helps you bring together your sites your trucks whatever planning and operational businesses that you have into a one place and try to run it in the most efficient way possible. So if you are the owner of transportation and logistics business and you try to improve on your safety, sustainability, fuel efficiency, Samsara is definitely the place that will help you achieve those goals having also only one platform to do it right now and a lot of the time people need to go and speak with various different vendors that offer different solutions samsara can offer everything in the one place
0: mm, I tell you what I'm craving more all-in-one solutions in my own life <laughs> like I need a universal TV remote for so many different things my credit cards my business bank accounts I'm like man let's just get it all under one roof but anyway I digress I digress let's move to the world of pitch decks, why they suck, in your opinion, and what you think sellers should be doing differently amongst, well, I suppose, amidst the current backdrop, you know, a recessionary environment. You're going to say something there?
1: Yeah. Well, I think number one is really preparation. You know, it sounds very, very easy. But this is something I see again and again and again. People just don't put enough time to prepare and create a custom message. So rather than doing their research, it's more so copy-paste, just using or reusing the same deck, just tweaking one or two things. But there isn't really a story to be told. It's more so very solution-driven deck that client can't really see much of the value from. And that comes down to lack of preparation. Therefore, we cannot tell the story that it's catered to a client needs.
0: Mm, okay, that's interesting. That is interesting. And I want to actually pick up on two things you said there before we go into your five deadly sins. The first thing is you said a lack of research, and ultimately being able to tell the story, which is customized and personalized to that client. And it's funny, I've seen this so many times. And it's funny, we used to do this. When I first started in corporate sales, we would switch out the company logo. We would add a few different, well, we would make a few amendments to the front page of the slide, and then a few different tweaks in the presentation. And it sucked. It didn't connect, but At that time, we had a big enough brand where clients would come to us, right? It was very different, which is not a luxury that every seller has on their side. So when it comes to the deadly sins, when it comes to the deadly sins that sellers are making with their pitch decks today, what is the first one that you're seeing, which is rife in the sales community today?
1: So number one, if if we're talking about the storytelling structure, number one would be the lack of character. Now, if you think about character, that could be either, you know, a person. So you're telling a story of either the end client or maybe a personal story that can relate to your client, but it can be a product. It can be an industry trend. Whatever it is that you want to put at the core of your story. So that's your character. I see very little decks that would have an outline of a strong character. Now, the second one would be a conflict. So, you know, a strong reason why clients should care, which is what is the problem that we're trying to solve, why they should be listening, why it's important to them. And then the next one will be the resolution. So, what is the offering that we are doing. This is actually the part where most of the companies are pretty good, but it's more so a problem with the order of the events. So we have maybe a bit of a character, maybe a bit of a conflict, but the resolution comes straight ahead, really. Maybe slide three, it's straight into a resolution. And to be fair, clients don't care about it because we didn't give them any reason to do so. So that's number three. Number four will be the lack of good headlines. So if I look at our presentations, some of them don't have a headline at all. Some of them have a headline that it's just two words, doesn't really tell a story. If your audience lose the interest in what you're saying, then once they reconnect with the slide, they can't figure it out by themselves, like what the slide is all about. And number one, that goes back to the preparation. So, you know, if you don't have a good preparation, if you don't know the story about your client, if you don't know where they are, you can't be telling a successful story and you won't be able to build a deck that resonates with them.
0: Got you, got you, got you. So it sounds though, from what I'm hearing, the first deadly sin is actually ineffective preparation. The second is... Including relatable main character inside of your overall story that your prospect can deeply connect with. And then we've got a conflict, you know, a real villain in the eyes of your ideal client. And then having an effective resolution, which is sin number four, but placing it after you've presented the problem, not before, because, hey, people need to know that there's a problem which needs to be solved. And then the final sin, according to my list, which I was writing furiously, as you were talking, is a good hook or a headline on the front page and one that sparks intrigue. So why don't we go through each of these in that little bit more depth and get some tactical advice. So when it comes to preparation, what's one thing? If a seller only had five minutes to prepare their pitch deck in terms of research, what is the one thing you recommend they do in those five minutes?
1: In the five minutes, definitely website, have a glimpse of their websites, have a look what's happening there. The other one, make yourself Google alerts with the name of the client or the industry that they're in so that you stay on top. Anytime your clients pop in the news, you will receive a notification and it's so easy. You know, you can customize it, have it Send it to you once a week, once per month, whatever you feel it's relevant, but i can't stress it enough how many times Google Alerts saved us, even you know at Facebook, I remember one of the salesperson was about to go to pitch to a massive. British retail. They have a full strategy built around, you know, how they should really embrace a store traffic and how Facebook can help them do that. And the day before the presentation, they received Google Alert that the retail store changed the strategy. They're moving everything online and they closing up all their stores or majority of the stores. So imagine if we went to a client. With the pitch deck saying increase your food, you know, store traffic, that wouldn't be so irrelevant because client would say, Well, you know, we are closing down the store. So what else do you have in the offer? So that saved the day and, and saved us probably, you know, good amount of money as well, one in a contract. So things like this, you know, it really takes a second. So Google Alerts, make sure you stay on top of your clients, the industry that they're in, and then number two, have a glimpse through their page, but also just jump on a phone and have a few minutes conversation. You know, what is their current challenge? What are they trying to solve for? What is important to them? So that should give you a good foundation to start creating story that it's more client centric versus what you're trying to tell them
0: sales kickoff season is coming people and i love it man i love it because it's such an exciting time as a speaker but for enablement professionals and revenue leaders well it can be kind of stressful you know and having delivered storytelling keynotes and workshops for revenue teams like netsuite crunchbase and AB Tasty. I know it's not just about motivation and inspiration, but also about finding the right speaker who can educate your audience and spark a long lasting shift in behavior. So, hey, if you are thinking about storytelling as a theme for kicking off your new fiscal year, then head on down to www.theravirajani.com forward slash speaking to check out my speaker reel, Take a look at some of my topics and some customer stories to see if there's a fit. And if there is, then you can scroll down to the bottom and book an alignment call with me directly. All right, let's get back to the show. I love that little nugget about Google Alerts. And I think my friend Samantha McKenna would love that because her hashtag, which she's an advocate for, is show me you know me, right? So if you're walking into a client meeting and you haven't done that research and you are painting the story or a picture about something completely different in terms of their pain and solution is going to create a disconnect. So I love that little nugget from what that seller did at Facebook. Very interesting, very interesting. Now when it moves to character, do you mean here ensuring the overall story and presentation has character or do you mean inside of the entire deck you are sharing a story and then is it a specific? customer success story that's at the middle of it like how are you defining character i suppose is the question that i'm trying to get at forgive the waffling and the
1: rambling so the character could be you know a person so you want to take a client on some sort of the journey ideally so most of the presentations if you look at even your old decks probably you will see Slide number one is, is the name of the company you're pitching to. Slide number two is the agenda. Slide number three maybe hopefully, the conflict, a bit of why we are here today, what we're trying to solve for. And then slide number four is just the resolution, so how are you planning to resolve customer issues? What makes you different nowadays is this journey that you're taking your clients on. So that could be through either telling a story about Let's say you have a client, you know, at Samsara, for instance, you're trying to sell the new telematics solution that will help you build the efficiency. Tell a story about this poor dispatcher that is trying to build the timetable. How much time does it take? How much manual work is it that it's taking away from maybe other things that would matter more to the business? But this dispatcher can't do it because they so focus on planning the all the different tracks all the different roads where they need to go by telling the story that really connects with the client we really demonstrate as well that we understand how they operate the struggle that they have we make it more personal you know we need to try to connect on more so personal level than just the business one and through story that's the ideal way to to do it so that's one of the example. Just, just pick either, you know, an end client or pick somebody from your client's business and try to build a story around it, which would resonate with potential conflict or a challenge that they're facing. So then your resolution will be so much more authentic. The other one, you can pick an industry trend. So you can just tell a story about what you're seeing within the industry and how challenging it is. And then. Again, build a challenge for a client out of it, and tailor your resolutions towards it. Again, you position yourself as an industry expert. You demonstrate that you're knowledgeable, that you know the common challenges that these type of companies struggling with, and then you propose a solution that is the most efficient one and most optimal. So that's another example that you can use, or you can use some of your products as well to be. A character but you need to be smart about it so that you are not turning into into resolution straight away i really love the example of how steve jobs did that on his iphone lounge which was like a million years ago but if you guys haven't seen it i would highly recommend you just 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 google it as on youtube it's a great example of storytelling where Your product is a character, your product is a conflict, and your product is also a resolution. But he told it in such a smart way that it's really mind-blowing. And it took him only three minutes to do that.
0: So it sounds though, from what I'm hearing, what you're saying is when it comes to having a character inside of your overarching story, which is evident in the pitch deck, it could be a relatable human being who is a client of yours that exhibits similar traits, challenges, and desires to the prospect you're trying to connect with. The second one is, for example, an industry challenge or another relatable character that might be agitating the pain of your ideal client. And The third one is carefully done, like our boy Steve Jobs in 2007-ish, having your product be the main character. That's your perspective. Am I hearing correct? That's all good. Nice, nice. And for those of you who are aware of the iPhone launch, what I thought was fascinating about that was Steve Jobs' line, it's like having a thousand songs in your pocket and everyone went crazy because it's such a great way to explain what could be technical you know something new at that time in a really simple and clean way he was a master of analogies and messaging right he was dope
1: definitely definitely you know i would Encourage, and I do encourage my audience who go through the presentation skills training or storytelling workshops to to really have a look into people like Steve Jobs, you know, Sheryl Sandberg as well. There's so many amazing, inspiring speakers that you can learn from how to really create simple, easy to follow stories, not overcomplicating it so everyone can follow and everyone can be inspired.
0: Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Lots to learn from some of the greatest speakers out there. No doubt, my friend. No doubt. Now, I think this leads beautifully into your third point of conflict, the villain, and also presenting this before you present the solution. What? are some of the repercussions of using solution centric language up front and jumping straight into the resolution versus painting a picture of the problem what can happen if that if that's not done correctly
1: well clients simply don't care you know i always try to remind the audience about Anytime, imagine the situation where you being sold to and what is the experience you want to get. And people often tell me like, oh, they want to be heard. They want to be empathized with. They want to make sure that they feel understood and that they're in control. So these are like a common themes that people say when, when I ask this question. And then I ask another question, like, do you... Create this experience for your clients, because this is exactly how your clients wants to feel every single time somebody is calling them. However, if you present them just solution-oriented presentation, well, this is not the environment you're trying to create, isn't it? Client doesn't he- feel like they're heard client doesn't feel like they're understood. They're just feeling like they're sold to, rightly so. so. So that's the biggest, biggest challenge that we we put ourselves. We don't give our clients enough reasons to, to care and to listen. You know, no one cares what is the vision and missions of our company. You know, it's a nice to have information. And it's probably very important to us because we work for the company that we're selling for and we believe in the mission and we feeling inspired. But most of our clients care about their business and how our company, our business can help them achieve their goals. So that's the challenge that we are trying to solve for by creating more so personalized stories for clients.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um- when it does pave the way into your fourth deadly sin of providing the resolution too early how can a seller present a solution in a way that doesn't feature dump and has them wanting to learn more like what do you do at samsara
1: to achieve that one thing i would say it's, it's just focus on one challenge that the client is facing and and just try to resolve it so that's what i try to teach all the new hires that are joining our company or the current staff don't try to sell serve the full portfolio of different product solutions that we have try to focus on one or two that will solve the current issue of the client so if you end up going the road of not having character and you know not having a strong conflict, at least just don't dump information on a client with all the different solutions that you have in your pocket. Just focus on one or two that might resonate with them. And most of the time, if I look at the text, this is what most of the people are trying to do because we assume that the clients know that we understand what, where is their conflict and what is their challenge. But trust me, like articulating it and and repeating it back to client just makes your message so much stronger and so much more believable as well. So do not assume and do not take it for granted that clients will know that you know what is their struggle.
0: How does, if a seller is listening to this right now and they go, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. And they take a look at their current prospects, different array of problems and they're going, "Mm, okay, maybe this is a symptom to a much more deadly underlying root cause issue. So how can a seller make sure they present not the symptom, but actually effectively diagnose and address the root cause? How do they differentiate the two?
1: Well, I think the best way is just to really have a frank conversation with clients, you know, that goes back to the preparation. Oftentimes, we go with our presentation decks and everything after just having a very brief conversation. So we don't even have a full understanding of the spectrum of the problem. So that's why the preparation step is so important. That's why before you will waste your time and your client time on going into a meeting and spending an hour there, just pitching, I don't know, a hundred slides, just take an extra step, schedule a call, just do the great discovery. And through that great discovery, you should be able to assess what is the exact issue here, because oftentimes client won't really realize what is the extent of the issue that they're experiencing. Some of the stuff that they might be telling us can be very surface level. So go a little bit deeper. Try to ask really deep questions around how they are trying to solve for some of the issues. What are the consequences for their business for not resolving them right now, what's down the line, what's they're trying to achieve within next 12 months or 24 months, and try to map out fully what is the current situation and then potential problems that they're facing. And from there just build the presentation. So if you don't spend enough time on your preparation and clients discovery, then you won't be able to tell, you know, a good and good and story that will resonate with them.
0: I love how much you, I suppose, believe in the concept of storytelling, because obviously, as you know, that is what I focus on day in, day out. I live and breathe this stuff. So it's so cool to hear how big you are on this and why you think it's so important to weave it into a pitch deck. So I love that. I love that, but I digress. Let's move on to the final deadly sin of ineffective hooks which aren't personalized can you give us an example of an ineffective headline or hook and what an effective headline or hook looks like
1: if you think about the headline that that you create it should be conversational so anytime you build your deck and you put a headline there just try to think if that's all the clients gonna see or read will they be able to understand what are you talking about And it's important because the decks that you are sharing, you know, some of them you will have the audience in the room or on a call with you to listen to what you're saying. But sometimes those decks will go later on to some of the other decisions maker that maybe didn't attend the presentation and they will have to figure it out what your deck was all about. Without having a luxury of listening to you, so that's why I make sure that the headlines are conversational and explains what you try to tell on each every slide that you're presenting. The example of an efficient headline will be, for instance, portal stats. You know, this is like a very common one that that, that you would have. Everyone is presenting some sort sort of stats that they took from the portals, so. How you can change it is people visiting your website, for instance, but not doing much. So then we know what the stats that you're presenting are referring to without, you know, having to explain it in a, in a big word. So somebody will get disconnected during your presentation by reading the headline. They will be able to tell, oh, OK, that, that's, that's the stats referred to. And also the person that will receive this deck later on will be able to figure it out.
0: Ah, uh, okay. I think you're gonna have to educate me here. I misunderstood. So I thought you meant on the front page the actual headline. But it sounds though from what you're saying is per slide mm-hmm. the headline at the top. Am I right?
1: Yes, that's that's ah
0: right. okay. <laughs> okay. It's a very good point, especially around the idea of making it conversational and somebody being able to explain what the presentation was about when you're not in the room, right like your champions that's a that's a really good point. Anything else to add here that you think we haven't covered that we need to mention?
1: Not really. you know I always say start baby steps. you know you want to be a master of storytelling on a day one even if you're gonna complete a storytelling workshop or presentation skills training. So what I would recommend to everyone, if you need to pick one thing or two things to do, first, start with preparation, just make sure you do have a good understanding of your client, where they are, just tell your story from their perspective. You know that's the biggest issue that I think a lot of the seller and I'm guilty of it as well when I go to a meeting and I'm trying to pitch new ideas to you know the leadership team. I need to sometimes pinch myself and be like, okay, Gosha, now you're speaking with your own agenda. Are you not thinking about your audience, what they care about, what is their current mindset, what they're struggling with and how I can help them. So you need to always, always train yourself on it as a muscle and it needs a lot of self-discipline to be able to be good at it. So Start with your preparation. Make sure you have your audience in mind once you're building your deck, once you're building your story. Tell a story from their perspective, not your own one. And then always, always dabble down on a conflict. Like We need to be clear clear what the conflict of your story is, of, of your deck. What is the challenge we're trying to solve? And only then introduce your resolution, which... Most of you are amazing to present, so there is very little work that you need to put into that part, but focus on the conflict.
0: There you have it, ladies and gents. Our guest isn't perfect, so that means you don't have to be either, right? It's all about those baby steps. It's all about those baby steps. So, As you know, my friend, this show is called The Influential Communicator, so... Who is, for you, an influential communicator that you study and that you look up to who's helped you get to where you are today?
1: You know, there were so many inspiring communicators back in my days at Facebook that were, you know, just, just a desk away sometimes. So I really look up to Cheryl uh, Sandberg. I think she's such an inspiring uh, speaker, the way she Poise herself on a stage, how she, you know, use a lot of a storytelling throughout her conversations. I really like to study how she do it. She's so natural and so authentic. And so as well, easy to connect with, even though she's a very senior leader, and a very powerful woman. So definitely. I look up to her a lot. So anytime I need to present on a stage, I think oh, how Cheryl would said that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. And what would Cheryl do? I like it. I like it. All right. So where can people go to learn more about you, what you're up to and keep up to date on all of your strategies and tips?
1: Oh, good question. I don't post actively on linkedin but i guess linkedin could be uh one of the places where you can connect if you want to chat more about some of the presentation or story storytelling things you can always dm me i'm happy i'm happy to connect and, and have a one-on-one conversation about this topic as clearly i'm very passionate about it
0: so, no, yeah, doubt. The best no doubt that's no doubt no doubt and i think one thing for everybody listening right now. I think it's always important to hear different perspectives and different viewpoints of storytelling and how to embed it into your day-to-day life and presentations. And the goal is for you to find a framework that works, then create freedom in that framework and then break it and create your own. I always see it as a three-step process. So ladies and gents, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll see you next week, same time, same place with a different guest. All right, peace. I have a question for you, my friend, and that question is, is what would it take to have you subscribe to the Influential Communicator podcast and leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice? Because I tell you what, my friend, my big mission is to help B2B sellers and all listeners of this show sell more by becoming influential storytellers and communicators without without suppressing their personality and disowning their value so hey the more the word gets out about this podcast the more people we can gather on this mission so if you could support me then hey that would be dope and if not that's dope too either way i got love for you all right i'll see you on the other side